Hello everyone and welcome to our Threshold podcast. We are so happy that you have taken time to join us today and we pray that you will be absolutely encouraged by the plethora of messages and encouraging words that we share here in our church. Threshold is a family of believers based in East Riding of Yorkshire in the wonderful city of Hull and our head pastors are Pastor Deborah and Philip Banda. Be blessed. Family values, family matters. Do you remember we were talking about this? Yeah. The idea of this topic, if I may just recap a little bit, is to, to help us uh, create families where God's will can thrive. Amen. Uh, and to help us create cultures in our families, because everybody comes from a family. Everybody comes from a family. Hello? The people around you begin to be your family. And uh, we've talked about two dimensions of family. One is family as church family like this. Then two as family back at home. Amen? So both to make this church family and also your home, your family, a conducive environment on which, in which God's will can what? Can thrive. And I said to, to be able to do that, we need to address cultures in the family. Why? I gave you the example of the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, where Jesus actually is talking about the word being sown into people's hearts. It is the condition of people's hearts that causes the word to thrive or not to thrive. And if you remember last week, I said something like this. Even good seed does not grow in bad ground. And your family is the ground. The culture of your family is a place in which God's will will thrive or fail to thrive. So careful or not careful, but Take note of the culture you are building in your family. Amen. I remember I, I used an example of, of, uh, of what they do in microbiology or biomedical people, where they, they, they use something called a culture. So they, they, so they, 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 they put uh, some of it, is, sometimes it's liquid. Okay, so I'll use the liquid one, where they put the right nutrients in a dish or in a test tube to grow certain bacteria. Are you with me? So they call that a culture. The, the environment in which the bacteria grows is a culture. Are you with me? So they can control the culture in order to grow certain bacteria. That's how they can tell whether you've got a certain disease. They isolate that and they put it in that culture and then soon Tabitha will be teaching us all this stuff. Now, it's a culture. Culture is the medium in which things grow. That's why it's important. So when we're talking about family and we're talking about family cultures, culture is the medium in which things grow. Are you with me? That's why it's important. Culture either chalks what God wants to do in your family or your family culture can promote what God wants to do. 
You see, no matter how good God's word is, it meets human beings. And human beings, as Jesus said in Matthew 13, can actually chalk what God wanted to do. So it's important that you and me get our family culture right. Amen. Amen. If our children, for those of us that have children, are going to thrive and become everything God wanted them to be, then it is important that we get our culture right in the home. In this church, if people are going to thrive and, and become and be fulfilled in, in pursuing God, it's important that we get the culture in the church right. Culture is the prism through which you also experience or enjoy life. If you've lived in another country before, which most of you in here have, It is possible not to enjoy. It doesn't matter how beautiful you go, a country you go to. If the culture in there just is, you can't understand it. And what goes, you, you can't understand why they cook their food that way. Why? It is possible not to enjoy it. Because culture is the prism through which you enjoy life. Hello? There's some things I used to really enjoy yeah, in Malawi. I still enjoy Malawi quite a lot. But, but after having lived in another culture for quite a long time, when I go back, there are certain things I, I don't quite smile at anymore. Yeah? Because the culture is different. And it's, and, and, and it's very hard to enjoy life if we don't understand the culture of a place. So culture is also the medium through which you're going to enjoy life. And, and, and enjoy abundant life. It is a cultural issue most of the time. Culture is made up of values. That's why I'm going to talk about values. What makes a culture what it is, it is the things you value. Mm-hmm. So if I was to make a, a, a very interesting, light comparison, uh, if, if, I, if, you, if, if I go to Malawi, our value of uh, time and punctuality is very different from the value we have of time in the Western world. So because you don't value time as much, you have a culture of lateness. Yeah? Very common amongst African countries, right? It must be a big demon. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> but you get it. If, if you don't value time, you have a culture of lateness. If you value time, you have a culture of punctuality. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Values make a culture. If you don't value extended family, you have a culture of, of individualism, which is what we have here. It is me, myself, and I. I remember chatting with some friends a while ago and, and they couldn't get their heads around the fact that Debbie and I support so many people back home. They just couldn't wrap their heads around it. They were thinking, what? Your money, you mean you... Yeah, we sustain quite a few families, just us. You put in kids through school, different kids, taking... And, and, and you, but because I come from a culture which values extended family, which calls a cousin brother... 
we value extended family. We are very interdependent people. Therefore, we have a culture of inclusivity in that sense. Do you get it? But if you come from a culture which values personal independence above everything else, then you won't understand that. It's about, hey, why, why are you giving your father that much money? Can't he just buy it himself? And some of you already, you're like, hey, that's a shock to the system. I can't say that to my dad. It's just because of the value, the different values we've been brought up in. Nobody is bad here. It's an issue of values. <coughs> values create cultures. Amen. So I said, in the family, when we are dealing with the issue of culture, we need to start looking at values. If you show me what you value in your home, I can predict your culture. Whether you have children or not does not matter. If you show me what you value, I can even predict the culture in which your children are going to grow up. If you show me what you value in a church, I can predict the culture in the church. Hello? That's why it's important that we get the idea of values. So we handled value number one. Value the Father. The presence of the Father. That's what we did last week. I'm not going to go into that. Why? Because that creates a culture of honoring one another. I was giving you an example of how I can bring my little Zoe and me together by saying to her, let's pray to the Father. Zoe, we have a Father. So she doesn't just keep thinking, oh, Ah, this is my dad, this is my dad, and it stops there. No, 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 we have a father. You and me, Zoe, have a father. If her and me can honor the same father, we can honor one another. It's a culture of honor. Amen. Today I want to talk about the second bit of this. I've taken a bit of time to recap that, but you can listen to last, last week's sermon. It's on, um, it's, it's, it's on the podcasts. Now, let's go to Genesis chapter 18. And I want to talk about if you are going to build a good culture in your home, gather around excellency and not perfection. So I want to deal with that. Today I want to deal with the perfectionist demon. Oh, it's not started to manifest yet. Eh? It will manifest. <laughs> I'm going to kick it out. And bring in the spirit of excellence. Because that's where we want to be. Amen? Amen. Gathering your family, one, around the Father. Two, you're going to gather your family around excellence, not perfectionism. Genesis 18. uh, I'm going to read 18 to 19, two verses. The easy to read version says... uh, Abraham will become a great and powerful nation, and all the nations on earth will be blessed because of him. I have made a special agreement with him. I did this so that he would command his children and his descendants to live the way the Lord wants them to. I did this so that they would live right and be fair. Then I, the Lord, can give him what I promised. I caught that sentence in the middle, but we get what the issue is about. God is talking about Abraham, and he's talking about justifying also why he chose Abraham. 
I looked at this last week. I said, a quick browse of the families in the Bible shows you that the families that God used were not perfect. Just a quick browse. The same Abraham we are talking about, we know he wasn't a perfect man. We know he made mistakes. We know at one time he, he went and he lied, not once, actually twice. He went and lied and said, uh, this is not my wife, she's my sister, because he was fearful. So Abraham had an issue of fear sometimes. Also, he has an issue of lying sometimes. Hello? But God still comes and says, this is my prophet. You can't take his wife. That's what God said to the king. It's my prophet. I don't care that he lied. He's my guy. Why is God loving Abraham's family so much, and yet they're not perfect? We know when Abraham wanted to have a child, Abraham couldn't have a child. They were not perfect biologically, I said last week. They couldn't conceive. Let's, uh, and last week I went a bit further. I talked about Abraham's children. And they were not perfect. But when he appeared to Moses, he said, I am the God of Abraham, <laughs> Isaac, and Jacob. If I read the story of Abraham, he's so imperfect. I read the story of Isaac, he's still not perfect. Because he repeated the same things his father did. He went and lied. He wanted to flee a country because he was scared. He did all sorts of things. But God still calls himself, I'm the God of Isaac. And, and Jacob, oh, especially Jacob. We remember his story, right? Yeah. Even that name Jacob means supplanter. And God still uses it. He says, I'm the God of Jacob. These families were not perfect because God is not a perfectionist. He says, I have chosen Abraham because he will teach his children... My ways. Ways. Somebody say ways. Ways. It is about your ways. Your culture. How you gather as a family. Not how perfect you are. Hello. You see, it's very easy. In a family, you know, from everyone else, it's very easy to demand just the best. But in a family, it's very easy to demand from each other perfection. How do you identify this? Let me read you something that I found. Perfectionism. Those that are demanding perfectionism, if a family has a perfectionist culture, here's what's happening. You are focused on doing Things right at all costs. I, I, I know this because I carry a bit of a perfectionist uh, trait in me. And as I'm speaking, some of you do carry. You're focused on doing things right at all costs. It doesn't matter that the thing was done. But if it wasn't done right, the way you see right to be done, you, 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 you can't get off that high horse. The difference between that and the excellence, here's excellence. Excellence is focused on doing the right thing. Okay? You see the difference? One is focused on doing things right. The other one is focused on doing the right thing. It will get much more clear. 
A perfectionist spirit is focused on appearances more. It matters how people look at us, so you better go to school. It matters, you understand? You're focused more on how people look at you, look at your family, than actually the result. In an excellent spirit, it is the result, the important things that matter. Okay, to get more clear. In a perfectionist culture, uh, or, or uh, if people value perfectionism, here's what happens. They demand unachievable outcomes. So if I'm a perfectionist, I demand, you know, it's never enough. It's never enough. I remember there was a time I lived with one, I've not mentioned the name, but I lived with somebody, and they were so a perfectionist in their lives. They, they, and, and, and here's how you know you're living with a perfectionist. It's never enough. Whatever you do is never good enough. So they would teach me how to water a garden. And I was 19. I'd been watering a garden for a long time in my father's house. But they would teach me. So they would tell me, oh, for the tomatoes, you've you got to water like this. And, and then for, for the onions, you water like this. And, and you know, and, and, and you <laughs> I was using a hose pipe. And I would water it. And I would do exactly as they taught me. The problem is weather changes. And so sometimes it's drier. Sometimes it's more humid, right? Then they would go in the garden. After I've watered, they would take a stick, a dip stick, and they would go, Shh, and they would say, ah, it's not wet enough. You didn't water the way I told you to water. I did. I woke up at five in the morning. I watered it exactly how you said I should do. Well, the water is not enough, so therefore you're doing something wrong. When you're dealing with a perfectionist, it's never enough. If they tell you, can you dig this, can you dig a straight line here? And you come and you dig your, your straight line. They'll come and look at it and they'll say, it's not straight. When you're dealing, you can never satisfy a perfectionist. And you know where it leads to in a home, if you're raising kids that way? Frustration. I remember being frustrated and feeling unappreciated. I mean, I woke up at five. Wow, how many 19-year-olds wake up at 5 in the morning to water a garden? I woke up at 5 and, and, and you didn't have to wake me up. I, I would do this thing myself. I wake up. How, how about, well done, you can actually wake up at 5? And you did it? You see, a perfectionist would not see any of that. See, as I'm saying this, you'll find that in some areas in your family, there are some areas where you are more of a perfectionist than a person who seeks excellence. And the idea is to challenge yourself. It doesn't feel great when somebody else comes to challenge you. Challenge yourself. I think I'm being a perfectionist here. Hello? Here's another trend with perfectionists. It drains energy. Okay, this is how you experience a perfectionist. Drains energy. And uh, breeds inaction due to fear. So I remember there was a time this happened to me. Uh, now I'm living in a home and I'm not creative anymore because I'm scared to do anything that I've not been told to do. You see what perfectionism does? It doesn't allow creativity. It stifles it. 
Because now then the person will not do anything unless you tell them. And they never feel adequate to meet your standard. So perfectionism sets standards that are too high, that are, that are unachievable. They may even look achievable, but the thing is you can never achieve them because they are a perfectionist. So even when you think you've done your best, they will say, perfectionism feels tyrannical, okay? Like, like a dictatorship. When somebody is a perfectionist, they demand all the time. Whereas when there's a spirit of excellence, there is an empowering spirit. Do you get it? It's like comparing, for those that love football, Jose Mourinho and uh, Pep Guardiola. <laughs> for those of you that love football, you can see the difference in that one of them demands players to play a certain way. And if you don't fall in line with that, it, it doesn't work. He'll kick you out of the club. And then there's one of them under whom players flourish in their skills. Yeah? So the same players, right? So you can check out these two football coaches and, and you can check out the same players that they, they have coached the same players and the players who have got certain types of qualities will flourish under the other than the other one. Right? I'm not going to go too much into football because some of you are lost right now. But you can, you, you can check that. You can check players like Kevin De Bruyne and see the difference. Because a player with a certain skill, a certain temperament, will not function under a perfectionist. They might function where there's a spirit of excellence, where they can express themselves a bit more. Hello. So this is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. It is important that in our homes we can ask ourselves, do we have a spirit of excellence here? Now, I must say, sometimes people have, uh, especially nowadays, they have mistook the spirit of excellence to mean, therefore, you're dressed smart, your house is clean. Oh, my God, they have a spirit of excellence in, the excellence in that house. Now, a guy with an OCD can keep a house clean. It, it doesn't mean it's a spirit of excellence. Do you get me? Yeah? Tyrants are very good at keeping their palaces very clean. Because everybody is scared. So it doesn't mean that. So nowadays it's... <laughs> Chooks, I know you're enjoying this. So it doesn't mean that. Because nowadays you see it a lot. When somebody is stuck in a nice clean suit and then people say, Oh my God, he's got a spirit of excellence. No! <laughs> no. No, it doesn't mean you've got a spirit of excellence. Uh, it might mean that, but it, it's not. It's, it's a spirit of excellence is not identified that way. Mm. You're loving this, aren't you? I want to show you how to identify a spirit of excellence and how, how to put a spirit of excellence in your home. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 12. 
a spirit of excellence in your home. You want it. You want it. You want it. Because it is the only place, it's the ground that makes creativity thrive. Your children will thrive. Everything you touch will thrive. You know, in the Bible it says Daniel and his friends got a spirit of excellency on them. And so everything they did thrived. That's the spirit of excellence. It's about thriving. <laughs> oh. First Corinthians 12, I'm going to read 31. Then I'm going to go to chapter 13 and I'm going to read all of chapter 13. But verse uh, 31, Paul says uh, of First Corinthians 12, but earnestly desire the best gifts. New King James Version. And yet I show you a more excellent way. Did you get that? So Paul has just finished talking about spiritual gifts. Like gifts of speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophesying, healings. He's just finished talking about gifts in chapter 12. He says, you, you, you can do supernatural things. He's just, he's just finished talking about supernatural things that we can do as individuals in the house of God. And then he says, but earnestly desire the best gifts. He means even amongst the spiritual gifts, there are good gifts on there, best ones. Did you get it? Amazing, right? He says, earnestly desire the best gifts. And then he says, no, 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 but I will show you an even more excellent way. There is a certain way that is excellent. It's an excellent spirit. Such that these gifts, even the best gifts, are dwarfed by this excellent way I'm about to show you. You get it? There is a way better than these gifts. You're like, what? Better than the gifts of miracles? Yes. And he begins to talk about this excellent way. And he puts it this way. 13.1 Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. It's not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, you see now, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is 
perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. Now the last time you heard that scripture, you were probably at a wedding. (laughs) But you see, what Paul is showing us there... He says, I'm about to speak about the most excellent way. And he introduces this excellent way as what? Love. Love is the true spirit of excellence. Do you get it? Love is actually the spirit of excellence. So if you want to describe the spirit of excellence, you can put it in that scripture. You can say, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have no excellence, I am nothing. Love begins to be the excellent way. The spirit of excellency is love. Here's how else you can know. You can never excel at something you don't love. Hmm? You excel when you love something. If you love football, there's a chance you will excel at football. But you can't say excel at football if you don't like football. Like some of you here, you don't, you're not bothered about football. So when I gave that example about the two football coaches, it just went... It, it doesn't mean you're not intelligent. It just means I don't like it. I don't love football. So, man, use another example. Right? You don't excel at what you don't love. Love is the spirit of excellence. So, by insisting on the spirit of excellence in your home, you are creating an atmosphere of love. By creating an atmosphere of love in your home, you are introducing the spirit of excellence. The Lord Jesus put it this way. If you love your brother, you're going to forgive your brother, right? Forgiveness is is birthed out of love. (laughs) The spirit of excellency comes from love. You see, at your workplace, how many have been really excellent at your workplace, but you don't love the job? Very hard. <laughs> you got to show off. <laughs> it's very hard. You've got to train yourself to love people. Love an aspect that you love. You see, if I was counseling you, I'd be saying there's certain aspects you're going to love. Maybe God wants to use you there. Maybe God wants to... So they, we're going to find something that you start to click with. And, and, and then you're going to be excellent in that place. Hello? Right? So when Paul introduces 
love as the excellent way. He's, he's introducing the spirit of excellence. It is the only thing that is above all the spiritual gifts. Wow. <laughs> and he even says there at the end, you see, he says, he says we prophesy in part. You see, with gifts, we, 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 we never hit perfection. We never will hit perfection. The perfect will come from God one day. But as long as we are on earth, we will never hit perfection. So it, that's what he says. The perfect will come. And then this imperfect will give away. Even prophecies will cease. It's very important to hear those words in these days of infallible prophets, right? <laughs> it's, 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 it's important to be humble. The greater the gift God has given you, the more humble you must be in understanding it is not perfect still. You're not the beat and all. You're not, you cannot be. God will still use a little child to tell you something you didn't know. Doesn't matter how accurate and how great a prophet you are. That will still happen. Mm -hmm. There is no perfection in that. Perfection will come. And when it comes, we won't need to prophesy anymore. But there is something we can do right now that God wants us to do. Is to create an atmosphere of excellency in our homes. And that is an atmosphere of love. Now let's start finishing and here's where we're going to finish. Uh, when Jesus was asked by his disciples, what is the greatest commandment? Uh, not his disciples, actually. The teachers of the law asked him, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus responded in Matthew 22, 36, 40. He says, uh, he says uh, 37, Jesus answered, love. You get it? The greatest commandment. He didn't, he, he didn't beat about the bush. He, he didn't say, well, this is not that great. No, the greatest commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, with every thought that is within you. This is the great and supreme commandment. And then he adds a bonus. And the second is this one. You must love your friend or your neighbor in the same way you love yourself. And then verse 40, he just sums it all up. He says, contained within these commandments, you will find all the meaning of the law and the prophets. There is no spirit more excellent than love. The spirit of excellence is to build our families around love. Hello. <laughs> Very important to build our families around love. It says God commands us to pursue excellence in our relationship with him because this is a command. God says the first commandment I want is excellence in my relationship with you. For God so loved the world, he gave. God in his love for us, he expresses a spirit of excellence beyond what we deserved. And in the same way, he places a commandment that is very important for all of us. 
with, when it comes to him, he wants excellence. And that does not mean, eh, you know, pray for 10 minutes. And it, it means love him. There is only one way we're going to be excellent in our devotion to God. Is to love him. To have a passion for him. It creates excellence in how we deal with God. If you don't have a passion for him, you are not being excellent in your relationship with God. You may have a relationship, but it's not, there's no excellent spirit in it. And then to love one another, that's another thing. If we're going to treat each other well and have excellent relationships, it's an issue of being passionately in love with one another. Hello? As families. In a family, I repeat what I said at the beginning, there is a rather a tendency towards perfectionism. And that's why people hate each other and don't talk to each other. Because we demand perfectionism in families. Instead of a spirit of excellence. It's oftentimes that's why creativity is stifled in a family. Why a child who's trying to express themselves creatively, instead I'm learning to come alongside my children and, 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 and nurture a spirit of excellency rather than my perfectionist kind. Nah, you are 12, you can't do that. Perhaps I want to understand a bit more now. Why are you saying you want to do that? Slightly different question, right? And then we can talk. We can nurture a spirit of excellence. Are you, are you, are you with me? But because it's a command, this excellency thing, this love thing, God has commanded us to love him. It means God doesn't demand where he has not deposited. And he knows we can. He knows we can. <laughs> he knows we are only a decision away from it. Otherwise, he wouldn't have commanded it. So all of us can have a spirit of excellency on us. He knows we can. That's why he commanded it. He said, love. Love your neighbor. Love your enemies. Love God. You've got it. That's why he's calling for it. So it's a decision. You're going to make a decision. Number one. In this family, we're going we're gonna to value love above everything else. In your home, you need to make that decision. You've been to homes before where there's no love happening in the home, right? You enter and you go, wow, even the atmosphere, the same oxygen feels different. <laughs> it can be bad. It, it, it can be terrible when there is no love in the place. Do you know, do you know that even flowers die? <laughs> You know, it's true. It's true. In an atmosphere where there's no love, there's a prevalence of depression, anxiety, and all the other fear-related mental illnesses. <coughs> Some of you have suffered from mild anxiety because maybe you had a perfectionist dad, a perfectionist parent that was, you know, so, so you get a bit of anxiety in you because of that. It's possible. Because in an atmosphere where there is, the love is not flourishing, the spirit of excellence is not transferred in you. 
Now, you may try to do stuff, but you will do it from a perfectionist point of view. Because you want to live up to someone. Because you want to show them that you can do it. I can also have a home. <clears throat> You're never going to satisfy them if they're perfectionists. The spirit of excellency is premised on this, and I will finish. Giving it your best all the time. So before I rebuke you, I should ask myself, did Bright give it his best? And if he gave it his best, I have no right to rebuke him. Do you understand how painful it is? When you give your best and somebody comes and rebukes you like, ah, it's painful. It damages you. Now, for those of us that have children, we also know how easy it is to do that to children. It's so easy to do it to kids. It's easier to do it with kids than adults. You, you, where you don't even think about, actually, my, it's the first time my son has tried to do this by himself. You don't even think about it. You just go, you can't do this. Eh? And it's, it's so easy to cut, keep cutting kids and keep cutting them and, keep, and being overbearing with them. It doesn't work. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm yeah. I'm not saying, oh, be soft with your children and all that. That's up to you, okay? It just depends on how you are as a temperament. So, totally, I'm not saying that. When they're coming, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is where you say, amen, Valare. <laughs> so, no, it, you know, it, it's, it's nothing to do with be soft, be hard on children. It's nothing to do with that. What I'm saying is, one, accept that you're going to have, a, you decide in your home, we're going to have a culture of love here. Okay? We're going to love. Okay? And you have to be clear with that. It's the only spirit of excellence we're going to pursue. If it's not out of love, I don't care whether how prophetically accurate we are. It's not good enough. It, can, it must function from love. I don't care how we do academic prowess. It's, 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 not, it's not good enough. We can have as many PhDs. It's still not good enough. It's got to be a spirit of love in this house. Now that's the easy part. To make the decision. The second part begins to be work now. Right? <laughs> It's now to work towards that, creating that spirit in your home. So number one, I said that for that second part is, think it's about giving best. Always ask yourself the question, am I giving my best? Is my, did my wife just give her best? Is my dad doing his best? Are my siblings doing their best? Because you don't want to be cutting people who are doing their best. It just doesn't make any sense. But we do it all the time. We can't be doing that. Okay? You, now, that means you, you're going to come off your perfectionist high horse. And some of us, it's not every area we are perfectionist. It's one area we are really perfectionist. Maybe the food. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> 
Are you saying preach? <laughs> I shall preach. So I stop right here. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's the food. It's, it's different things, right? For some of us, some of us, it's cleanliness in the home. I'm just being real. It's, it's the way it is. Uh, for some of us, it's, it's little different things, you know? Just it's the way the bed is made, lateness, and all that. It's quite different things. It means... You're gonna cut in those areas, you're gonna come off your perfectionist horse and only correct when people are not giving their best. I say, come on, you're not doing your best here. Come on, how can I help you? Yeah. Is this a difference? But even you yourself, you know, the question you're gonna give is, did I give it my best? If you're not giving it your best, you're not operating in the spirit of love. I really need to break down love for you, right? Paul does not put there, love is a feeling. It's not there. There's no feeling mentioned there. It has to do with giving your best in every area of your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh-huh. So we're going to create homes in which your children give the best. You see, we've been training your son how to do the dishes and do what, what, what. And, and, you know, and, 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 and when he does the dishes at home, and, and uh, when he started out, <laughs> I'm gossiping about him, he's not here. <laughs> when he started out, he, 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 would, he would just do the stuff. You know what I mean? Like, just do the, just do the dishes. Just <laughs> like, just do them and just. Leave them there. It's, everything is wet. The, the spa, the whatever he was using for washing the dishes, just there. Soap everywhere. You know, everything. And, and uh, according to him, he has done the dishes. You asked him to clean the dishes. He has cleaned the plates. And you say, ah, my son. <laughs> you know, and me, the way I am, I would be like shouting. I would be like, you can't do this. You have to clean it. You have and that just never worked. Until I said, ah, let's just do this thing together later. You know, uh, you know when you do stuff, wh- how do you feel when something is left? It's, it, you've cleaned and it doesn't look like you've cleaned. How do you feel? You know? <laughs> and we t- now I see now, when he does the dishes now, it's nice and clean and, and you know, it clears everything, all the worktops, you know. I, I, you know, I created a room in our kitchen. You can see who's the one that likes to go on people's nerves. I said, no, no, wake tops must be clear all the time. You know, I think I borrowed that from my father because my father would just chew you up for leaving a wake top. <laughs> leaving the size of wake tops must be clear all the time. Uh, and, and, and I can see, see, I walk in there, but I know it's a 12-year-old boy that cleaned. And my question is, did he give it his best? So when I go in the kitchen, I, I know there were some things that he would do that I don't do. Right? There comes that third one, yeah? Gracious. That's the one I'm going to finish on. A spirit of excellency has something to do with giving grace. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to have to give people grace. Because if, if you send me, if I come to your house and I say, oh, I'll clean the kitchen for you today, Sister Janet. I'll clean it all. 
but very guaranteed, when I finish, it will not be like the way you clean it. What? Because it's me. It's not you, it's me. It's me who cleaned it. And you said, yes, I can clean it. So it's me. Yeah? yeah. If, you give, if you give someone a car to drive, yeah? yeah Let me tell this funny story. There was a time me and Tully's dad went to London, and, and I was driving his car. You know, and so uh, his other car that he had, the, the, the Zafira. So I got, we got in the car. There was about seven of us. So we got in the car, and he says, "You're gonna drive." I said, oh, "Okay, I'll drive." <laughs> so, so we start, we start to drive. We we hit somewhere there. He says, "You are speeding." <laughs> but we used to we used to chat a lot with Fundis. I called him Fundis. I still call him Fundis. So I look at him and say, Fundis. You said I should drive. <laughs> Seriously, that's what I said to him. You said I should drive. So I'm driving. <laughs> At this point, let's forget it's your car, okay? I'm driving. <laughs> but you get the idea. <laughs> that's an interesting story. But, but, but I said that because I wasn't even speeding as much. <laughs> I don't know why he said, no, you're speeding. I'm like, no. <laughs> you said I should drive. That's what happens. When you give somebody something for you to do, it's them that are going to do it. You better be, have a bit of grace. Because it's not you. They're using their eyes, their hands, and their feet. If they're not giving their best, it's another story. But you're going to have to. So we're going to create a spirit of excellence in our homes. I'm being practical rather than theoretical here. To create, a, you know, we're gonna let let the kids off a bit, cause it's kids, they did it. I learned this uh, a while ago. I think I think it was Bill Johnson talking about it, when he was talking about uh, parents. Ask yourself, why do you punish your children? Because you can't punish your children for doing children stuff. You punish them because they, they, you're trying to, to, to remove a spirit of disobedience from their lives. So you should always ask themselves yourself a question before you punish your kids, before you discipline your kids. That's a better word. Before you discipline your kids, you should always ask yourself the question, have they been disobedient? And the moment I start doing that, I discover I am disciplining my kids most of the time for being children. They're just children. Get a bunch of them in a home, in your living room. If it's up to you to remove the laptop or leave it there, but they will step on it. It's up to you. So you're going to punish them because they stepped on your laptop which you left in the living room and you know they are playing there. And you know the weather in England doesn't allow for them to play outside all the time. What's the lesson? There's no, there's no lesson. Even if you discipline them there, there's like you've wasted your energy. There's no lesson. Oh, except they will think, my dad is really, really just, he's unreasonable. I can't get it. Why is he doing this? If they could answer back, they would tell you. So I found that, oh, wow, I'm, I'm disciplining my children for, 
for being children. You know? For some things, you're just disappointed. Okay? You look at it, you go, wow. Ah, guys, come on. Let's be more careful. And that's it. So I, it works for me a lot. I ask myself, is there any disobedience here? And, and I like to ask the question. I will ask them the question. What did I say about this? Oh, you said don't kick the ball that way. Okay, so it's happened because you disobeyed me. Yeah. Okay, there's an issue here. You disobeyed me. So let's deal with this. You can't live with disobedience. It's not a good spirit. Hello? <laughs> an excellent spirit. I've just mentioned three, three practical ways, right? But that's an... Let's, let's, let, the, 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 I think the last one I should mention, the fourth one, is to, to really cultivate an excellent spirit, is, is to pray. Ask God for it. God gave Daniel and his friends an excellent spirit. Romans chapter 5 says, By the Spirit of God, the love of God has been shared abroad in our hearts. Huh? That's Romans chapter 5. So you pray for it. Amen? Amen. Pray for it. Now, some of you are saying, oh, my, my kids are so old. They are already gone and all that. It doesn't matter. You can introduce the excellent spirit in your family. Yeah? You can start praying for love to manifest in your home, in your family, in your children, uh, in their homes. Just pray that they will have a fruit of love that is birthed within them. Amen? You can begin to pray that. And then you can begin to acknowledge that in their lives. You can, you can begin to, 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 to value their best. And, and, and understand. Give it your best and value their best. You know, people are so simple if you really just value their best efforts. It, it, oftentimes, that's... that's it's, it's just how simple it is. It's, it's easier said than done, but this is oftentimes how simple it is. How many arguments I can avoid with my wife if I could just value her best. If she can just understand I give it my best, it's so easy. You know? let's, let's finish. Let's stand up. Uh, uh, uh.